Broadcasting live from atop the Rocky Mountains, the crossroads of the West, you are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk Show. All right. Happy to have you along, my fellow Americans. Sam Bushman and Kurt Crosby live on your radio. Hard-hitting news that it refused to use. No doubt starts now. This, my fellow Americans, is the broadcast for December the 1st in the year of our Lord, 2020. This is our one of two and our goal always to protect life, liberty, and property and to promote God, family, and country on your radio and the traditions of our founding fathers. Yes, indeed, ladies and gentlemen, we use the blueprint for liberty, the supreme law of the land, the Constitution for the United States of America as our guide. And absolutely, we're convinced that checks and balances brilliantly put in place by the Founding Fathers, one of the great peaceful restorative solutions we still have at our fingertips. As you know, we reject revolution. We stand for peaceful restoration of the greatest country on the face of the earth. A quick recap of yesterday's show. First hour, we had on Lowell Nelson, campaignforliberty.org. We talked about uh, Ron Paul's incredible column, says this, on coronavirus. We must not allow politics to dictate science. Amen to that reality check. The Danish mask study found no statistical difference in the rate of which participants in both groups, those with masks and without masks, contracted COVID-19. So the masks are a big old lie, and studies prove it, but they're not willing to publish or tell you about the stories that prove that reality check. Also on July the 14th, believe it or not, months ago, the CDC, Center for Disease Control and Prevention, uh, and their big doctor up there, Robert Redfield, told a seminar that lockdowns are causing more deaths than COVID-19. But did you hear anything about that either? See, there's an agenda in the media, in bed with government. doesn't matter who stands up or who tells the truth. They just simply get shut down and obliterated. Why? Because it doesn't fit their narrative. What's their narrative? Well, they want lockdowns, folks. They want to destroy what makes us human. Zachary Yost with the story. They want to literally change the way we interact with one another. They want to change the socialization. I don't mean socialism, socialization of humans, folks. They don't want you to love and feel and touch and communicate and because they can't destroy America as long as we continue to do that and teach the gospel of Jesus Christ. They got to shut that down. The left's way, ladies and gentlemen, has always been and will continue to be violence, fraud, and intimidation, ladies and gentlemen. Vasco Colmayer with the article on that. America's economy simply cannot survive another lockdown, and the COVID elitists know that. Yeah, the cult of the reset or the cult of the Operation Jubilee, they understand that. Brandon Smith with the details, he says real unemployment's over 26%. Real unemployment over 26%, and it'll just spike again. If they do any lockdowns, will Joe lock us down? Time will tell. Discrimination and prejudice, two interesting words, Walter E. Williams with the details. He says, bottom line is there is a sound case for discrimination and a sound case for prejudice. Is there racism? A completely separate but interesting question. Are people unkind to one another because of the color of their skin? Because of their sex? Because of their... Yes, oftentimes so, and it's sad, and it needs to stop. We're all God's children, and we should behave like it, please. That was hour one with Lowell Nelson, CampaignForLiberty.org. Hour two with Scott Bradley, the good doctor in the house, if you will. His collegiate series called The Preserve the Nation, available at freedomsrisingsun.com. Check it all out, would you please? Dr. Scott Bradley doing a phenomenal job. 
We've talked about the Georgia government update. Judge issues a restraining order for 10 days, preventing defendants from destroying data from and or erasing data on Dominion machines. Take that, Tucker Carlson. You want some evidence? Why is the judge saying, hold on now, hold on, don't delete anything, let's look into this? Because where there's smoke, there's fire. Green Party candidate Jill Stein did a great job back in October, believe it or not. She won a groundbreaking case. Gives her campaign the right to examine voting machine source code. Jim Hoft with that article. Sidney Powell needs to be working with Jill Stein and others, huh? Let's get to the bottom of this thing and get the truth. The sooner, the better. Sidney Powell filed the Kraken cases with federal courts in both Georgia and Michigan. She gets banned by Twitter. Tucker Carlson, in my humble opinion, owes her an incredible apology. In those Kraken cases are pages and pages of witnesses and testimony and expert evidence. Lynn Wood and Sidney Powell doing a great job, and now security experts are joining their efforts. Tucker, maybe you ought to have those guys on and apologize and dig into some of the details there, huh, buddy? Ballot fraud hits mass scale in broad daylight, sadly, sometimes even with the cooperation of government state officials. Boy, howdy, is that the truth, huh? When did the media, by the way, supplant the Electric College, ladies and gentlemen? World Net Daily asked an incredibly important question, a vital question, and that's why I say we should never give up. We should never stop fighting. We should always back President Trump and his right to seek a redress of grievance until we have exhausted every option. The Electoral College key here, since they have not voted yet or cast their delegate ballots, if you will, then we don't know who won the election. And to say so is premature, to say the least. It's not the job of the media, ladies and gentlemen, to call the elections. And until all recounts, lawsuits, and audits are resolved, the Epic Times will not declare a winner in the 2020 election cycle. And I commend the Epic Times for their stance and for their incredible articulation of the reality check, the truth, the Kraken, if you will, or the Kraken. Okay, it's not the job of the media to call elections. Okay, until all recounts, Lawsuits and audits are resolved. We here at Liberty Roundtable will not call the election either. I don't think Joe Biden's won. I think there's a lot of allegations. I think there's a lot of fraud. I think there's a lot of questions. I think the mainstream press would have you believe that Joe's already, you know, president-elect and Biden uh, has won and Donald's done and all that stuff. But it isn't the truth if you believe in the constitutional system. Sadly, the Supreme Court tossed a lawsuit demanding the rejection of all 2.5 million mail-in votes says no evidence of fraud. That's in Pennsylvania. Senator Rand Paul doing a great job stepping up, in my opinion. Statistical fraud was found in four states' election results. These are the same states where President Trump lost. These are the same states that Donald was ahead, and then they stopped the counts, and everybody went underground, and then magically a bunch of votes appeared for Biden. Good for Rand Paul doing a great job. Chris Ruddy, CEO of Newsmax, they say, has now found a great business opportunity, capitalizing on this idea that Trump has won. I agree with Kurt Crosby. That, in a way, is a story 
that really, uh, in my opinion, is just another way to try, try to take down President Trump. The problem with that story in the New York Times is I don't trust Reddy either. Who do you turn to? George Soros? Not. But George Soros funded Media Matters is now pointing the finger at WND.com saying they're scamming money from readers. I'm telling you right now, I cannot vouch for Chris Reddy and Newsmax. But I can vouch for World Net Daily. I've watched them, worked with them, appeared in uh, events at events with them, spoke with some of their um, reporters on the same stage. I'm telling you right now, they've got some of the best articles and best stories. And uh, I will defend World Net Daily. WND.com. Doing a great job. Trump considers launching 2024 campaign during Joe Biden's inauguration. Do you believe that's true? Also, they say Donald Trump is going to launch a media service. Do you think that's true? Every one of those things, see, tries to make you believe that Donald's already given up. I agree with Kurt on this. It isn't the truth. President Trump has not given up. we got to keep at it. Will we win in the courts? I don't trust the courts, so I have my doubts. But we're going to pray on, and we're going to work on. And as the Epic Times wisely points out, until everything is complete, we're simply not calling it for anybody. We're simply going to say the, let the election process properly unfold without vote fraud interference. Shall we, please? And that's a recap of yesterday's show. Still available at LibertyRoundTable.com, LovingLiberty.net. Tell your neighbors, spread the word. News the networks refuse to use today starts now. Kurt Crosby's with me. Welcome to the broadcast, sir. Buenos dias. Uh, greetings and salutations. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Thank you, Sam. You're very welcome, sir. There's so much news. Hard to know what to cover. I guess let's start with this. Dr. Scott Atlas has resigned. Kurt, did you see this? Nope. Anyway, your comments on that? Dr. Scott Atlas just up and quit, says, uh-uh, I'm done. Well, you know, um, at least he may be uh, signaling that at least uh, he doesn't want to hang with the swamp, uh, or he may be feeling like, hey, this this is really a, kind of an unnecessary thing for the, uh, you know, the White House and all that stuff to focus on, since, um, as he's said, there's, uh, you know, the American people can handle this. It's not something we got to pontificate from on high to them. The president's uh, got done what needed to be done. You know, I don't know. Uh, those are my reads. From my yeah, guess. his comments basically are this. I'm not interested in battling with Fauci over everything. You guys can believe whoever you want. To. I'm telling you the truth. I'm laying out the realistic case. Other physicians and doctors uh, have said what I've said. Every one of them gets shut down. No one's listening to my voice. I'm just fighting with Fauci over nothing. And uh, you know what? I don't want to do it anymore. I'm just going to move into the private sector where I belong. They always try to use against Dr. Scott Atlas that, oh, he's not a Oh, what's the what's the word of the people that are supposed to be dealing with the viruses? Virologist. Virologist or virologist, whatever it is. Anyway, so he says, you know, they beat me up because of that. But there's all kinds of virologists that agree with me. But all they're doing is beating up Scott Atlas. And he's just like, hey, I don't have time for any of this. Sad tale to tell, in my opinion, when they drive the good guys out. I'll tell you that right now. Our prayers are with Dr. Scott Atlas. <laughs> You know where the solution can be found, Mr. President? In churches, in wedding chapels, in maternity wards across the country 
and around the world. More babies will mean forward-looking adults, the sort we need to tackle long-term, large-scale problems. American babies in particular are likely going to be wealthier, better educated, and more conservation-minded than children raised in still industrializing countries. As economist Tyler Cowen recently wrote, quote, by having more children, you're making your nation more populous, thus boosting its capacity to solve climate change. The planet does not need for us to think globally and act locally so much as it needs us to think family and act personally. The solution to so many of our problems at all times and in all places is to fall in love, get married, and have some kids. Have we realized the assault against our lives, our liberties, our faith? To defeat this assault, Christians and all people of goodwill should have strategies to prevail in our faith and principles, which are simple. No need for a complex formula. One goal, one aim. A strategy like the heroic Christians of the past. We win, they lose. Nothing less. Big Q, Little Q. The calm before the storm by a friend of Megagoria. The strategy of heaven revealed. Big Q, Little Q. The calm before the storm. Available on Amazon.com or by calling Caritas in the U.S. at 205-672-2000. All right, Arizona and Wisconsin became the two latest states to certify their presidential elections. I guess they say submitting Joe Biden's narrow win in both states. Kurt, do you want to respond to that one? Well, I think the response is just what you said before. Um, You know, the Epic Times um, leading the way and showing us a good way to look at this until all this whole blue, I guess you could call it, is, um, you know, settled. Uh, you know, this stuff is just, I don't know, window dressing or, you know, just talk. Um, and, uh, you know, I mean, you're, I, I'm looking at the uh, headlines from those guys. You know, you've got a boatload of them, the Epic Times uh, boatload of them, and they still say, hey, um, until, uh, you know, all this is settled, it's kind of silly to say, you know, cementing uh, Biden's win or, or whatever, you know, Trump's defeat or any of that stuff. Just because, you know, uh, like Rand Paul, um, I think his his uh, statement or uh, article from the World Net Daily about him saying, Rand Paul points to four wild data dumps that put Biden ahead. Fraud? Question mark. He says, look at the evidence and decide for yourself. And I just think that almost any thinking individual can look at that. And if they're willing to at least, you know, assume whether it's, you know, the tables were turned and it was the Republicans doing it to the Democrats or the Democrats doing it to the Republicans. You know, that to me doesn't matter. It's is it true or not? Did it really happen or not? And. You know, yeah, and in this uh, case, they really did certify. 
Yeah, well, but but here's in my that, opinion, it all depends on who's doing the certifying and who's reporting it. You know. Yeah, but so this is a Daily Caller reporting it, and uh, the question is if it's true. Yes, it is true. They certified it. Okay, so you got a conservative news organization, Daily who's Caller. They? When you say they, the state officials. Well, the ones that are chosen. You got certain ones. I understand all you that. Know, just, it's not okay, a debate. It's not a who. It's not a where. It's not a how. It's the Daily Caller is the news source, and they're reporting that both these states certified the elections. Who certified them? State officials certified them. I think here's the important point to take away. Just because an election is certified, that doesn't mean anything, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, they would say it's cementing something. My response is, not if there's fraud proven. Okay? So the question becomes, you know, are the courts going to stand up? Is there enough fraud evidence to decertify or to say, you know what? You've certified this erroneously. In fact, I would submit, and at least according to statements that Sidney Powell and others have made, when they certify the elections, Kurt, if there is fraud in that election that's provable, what they really do, in my opinion, is cement their guilt or their involvement in the fraud by certifying. When they're warned not to certify yet because there's dozens of lawsuits, when they're not, or when they're warned to not certify because there's serious questions and there's evidence and stuff, and when they certify, what they do to a great degree is seal their own fate if we have honesty uh, in the courts. And so to me, what they've done is cemented their involvement uh, in the fraud. Now, we can debate if they knew about it or not. That's another topic. But when they certify, they go to the next level, Kurt, in my opinion. And that's the takeaway here. Now, you can go off and debate who the state officials are, and I don't know who they are. But I'm telling you that in my mind, when these people certify these elections, if there's no provable fraud in the state, what they're doing is cementing their going along with fraud. Now, the debate is whether we could prove they're involved in it or not. And if they get, um, you know, involved in the scandal, that's another topic. But... In my opinion, they almost certify their fate if we can prove fraud. So in my opinion, these are uh, not good signs that they're certifying, but it is a double-edged sword to say the least, and people need to be aware of that. When they certify those elections, they're going on record saying, hey, we're committing that these elections are honest, and we're turning in the valid numbers. Now, if there's fraud proven, they've just found themselves in the middle middle of a snare, uh, in my opinion. Any comment or thought on that? No. All right. What do you got next, Kurt? Well, uh, I like the, um, like I mentioned, the Rand Paul, uh, you know, he's talking about um, if if people are unaware of it, um, you know, he says um, uh, the uh, they even took their numbers uh, from the New York Times where they reviewed nearly 9,000 vote updates is what they call them. Um and um, you know this, this, um, these experts that you know kind of look at all this whole uh, uh, spikes in the election and the change of the numbers. Like in one case, you can literally see the president's numbers go down by ten thousand votes. You know, and <laughs> you know unless there was somebody going, oh, man, we put ten thousand in there, now we got to take them back. You know, you just got to look at that stuff and go home. Uh, but uh, this uh, vote pattern analysis, uh, they say, much skepticism and uncertainty surrounds these vote spikes. Critics point to suspicious vote counting practices, extreme differences between the two major candidates' vote counts, 
and the timing of the vote updates, among other factors, to cast doubt on the legitimacy of some of these spikes. While data analysis cannot on its own demonstrate fraud or systemic issues, it can point us to statistical anomal anomalous, a uh, big word they use a lot in these uh, situations, cases that invite further scrutiny. The spikes in questions were in competitive states and were unusually large in size and had an unusually high Biden to Trump ratio. We demonstrate the results differ enough from expected results to be cause for concern. Um, these experts go on to say, uh, we discover a remarkably consistent mathematical property. There's a clear inverse relationship between difference in candidates' vote counts and the ratio of the vote counts. In other words, this is where they break it down for you know just standard people to kind of understand it. It's not surprising to see vote updates with large margins, and it's not surprising to see vote updates with very large ratios of support between the candidates, but it is surprising to see vote updates which are both. The report continued, uh, nearly every vote update across states of all sizes and political leanings follow this statistical pattern. A very small number, however, are especially apparent. Uh, that's uh, kind of a fancy word for kind of messed up, I think. Of the uh, seven vote updates which follow the pattern the least, four individual vote updates, two in Michigan, one in Wisconsin, and one in Georgia, were particularly anomalous. That means screwed up and influential with respect to this property and all occurred within the same five-hour window. Um, and then they give the specifics on them. I don't know if you know, we ought to read them, but that's, uh, to me, that's the bottom line. That's, you know, like Rand Paul is saying, hey, um, you know, you make the decision if you look at that. Uh, four wild data dumps that put Biden ahead and he says, fraud, question mark, look at the evidence and decide for yourself. I think that's pretty good. Uh, I don't know what you'd say, uh, kind of bottom line stuff. You know what I mean? I would say the senator's absolutely right. <clears throat> and I think that's what we need to look at. And that's why I say even if these states certify their results, ladies and gentlemen, you don't want to go on, even the Daily Caller, in my opinion, saying it cements the win for Trump. I mean, for Biden. I don't think it cements the win. I just think they go on record as certifying. Now they make themselves culpable to a great degree. And if Rand Paul's point to the four data dumps that, that really indicate anomalies that don't make any sense, the point to fraud, questions of fraud at least, hey, all we got to do now is work on giving that evidence in front of the courts. And then if these people certify the elections, then you got to start to dig into if they're culpable, if they knew, if they're involved. Why are they rushing so fast to certify? Why are we rushing so much to say, hey, Trump's already lost? Okay, now I've said I don't trust the courts, but I've never said that Trump's lost. He hasn't lost. The election's not over, ladies and gentlemen. In fact, the Electoral College has more sway on who becomes president than even the popular vote does. Okay, so I think that these states certifying their elections only makes them more liable, more culpable. 
And I think Rand Paul's absolutely right, and I appreciate him standing up and being vocal, highlighting this reality. Maybe Rand ought to go on Tucker Carlson and catch Tucker up. You know what I'm talking about? All right, by the way, the recount process, this ought to build your confidence in the system, Kurt. The recount process was paused on Sunday in Fulton, Georgia. Now, Fulton, Georgia is the big county where uh, Atlanta is, Kurt. The recount process was paused in Fulton County, Georgia. I'll tell you why and how in just a second, but it will not build your confidence in the elections. I'll tell you what. It concerns me that more fraud is being committed on the back end. We'll talk about that coming up on Liberty Roundtable Live. Protecting your liberties. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA Radio News with Lance Pride. Dr. Scott Atlas has resigned from the Trump administration's coronavirus team. He joined the White House back in August. His special appointment as a government employee was set to expire next week. Operation Warp Speed COVID-19 vaccines will have a final FDA approval meeting on December 10th. It will start being delivered within hours of the approval to frontline workers and the most vulnerable in our communities. Warp Speed leaders say every American that wants the vaccine will have the ability by late spring. Their message is, if 70% of Americans take the vaccine, COVID-19 will naturally die itself out. Oregon's race-based COVID-19 relief program for small businesses is for blacks only. This goes against the 14th Amendment of the Constitution and is now facing two separate lawsuits. The state has already doled out half the $62 million and will probably be gone by the time the courts step in. Thank you for listening. We are USA Radio News. Balance of nature is fruits and vegetables in a capsule, changing the world one life at a time. I've been taking vitamins off and on my whole adult life, and I've never seen any change. Not like this. Not since I've been on balance of nature. I used to take prescription medication for uh, muscle aches and stuff. I don't take that anymore. I wish I would have started it back when I first heard about it on the radio. And if I can give balance of nature any advice, keep it out on the radio because I still hear these commercials from time to time, and I'm thinking, you know, you people need to listen up. I mean, I'm over 50. And, you know, your body starts wearing down. But now with nature has literally changed my life. It really has. Get a wide variety of all your daily recommended servings of whole fruits and vegetables without having to leave your home. Right now, Balance of Nature is offering free shipping and 35% off on any new preferred order. Call 1-800-246-8751 or go to balanceofnature.com and use discount code USA. The 10 to 12 foot metal structure monolith found in southern Utah last week went missing. A few days later and 6,000 miles distance, another monolith has been discovered in Europe. USA Radio News, Dan Naraki. An odd metallic structure has appeared on a hill in northern Romania after a similar piece disappeared from the Utah desert. The 10 to 12 foot silver monolith appeared in Utah last week, seemingly from nowhere with many comparing it to the monolith seen in the film 2001 A Space Odyssey. The U.S. Bureau of Land Management was able to document its existence before it was removed over the weekend by what they called an unknown party or parties. Now, a similar structure has been spotted in Romania near the eastern Romanian city of Piatra Nemt. As of yet, no one has claimed responsibility for either structure. From the USA Radio News Ohio Bureau, I'm Dan Narak. Although similar, the monoliths appear to have different textures and angles at the top. 
Two battleground states, Wisconsin and Arizona, certify their election results in favor of President-elect Joe Biden. President Trump continues his claim of massive voter fraud. USA Radio News. Back with you live, ladies and gentlemen, Sam Bushman, Kirk Crosby on your radio. News the networks refuse to use, no doubt, continues now. So Rand Paul points to four wild data dumps to put Biden in the lead. Fraud, question mark? You ask. Check out the evidence. Figure it out. No doubt about it. The recount process, believe it or not, was paused on Sunday. In Fulton County, Georgia, one of the hottest Districts for Fraud and Concern, Atlanta, Georgia, Inner City. They say after a newly purchased Dominion Voting System server, I guess it was a mobile server, crashed. So they purchased a new Dominion voting mobile server. It crashed. So now they had to stop the vote count. But Here's the problem. They had to dispatch Dominion officials to resolve the issue. So, Kurt, is this a situation where it really crashed and they're honestly going to just fix it? Or is this a situation where they've got to fake that it crashed, go in and uh, replace the software or something so when it gets inspected it can pass muster? Or is this a situation where they're going to go in and fix votes and magically come back and say, well, I guess there wasn't really fraud here. All the allegations are false. All I know is this server crashing this late in the game in the recount, and then the Dominion people need to be brought in to come fix it. That alone points to big-time cover-up and scandal, and they're backtracking big-time, and they're getting caught. The only question is, will they get away with it? Don't know. But who else is reporting this story, Kurt? Anybody you know? Um, I read quite a bit about that, um, Sam, and I don't remember. I'm pretty sure it was either um, the Epic Times or Breitbart or WorldNet Daily. Uh, one of those. It seems like Breitbart's kind of behind the, you know, the nose on that, or you know, behind the schedule or whatever. Yeah. Uh, whereas the Epic Times and the WorldNet Daily guys seem to be up on it. Um, but um, yeah, I. Uh, I just like you say, you know, when you get, you know, it's like you're calling the uh, fox into the hen house. I just think, you know, hey, good luck on that, you know. So I'm not an attorney, but if I was Sidney Powell, Lynn Woods, um, Matt Staver, any of these people who I completely trust, all three of them, if they need to basically file a lawsuit and say, hey, don't you dare bring these people in. This just proves the point. You got election fraud, you try to recount, your servers go down. Now you're going to bring in the very people we're saying are committing the fraud to go ahead and review and make the system well again. Don't you dare. So I think a lawsuit, uh, an injunction to stop them is in order right here, Kurt. <clears throat> I don't know what will happen. I don't hear anybody hardly talking about it except for a couple of us. But in my opinion, this is almost the biggest story in the nation, Kurt. Listen carefully. The recount process was paused in Fulton County, Georgia on Sunday. A mobile Dominion server crashed and Dominion officials are being brought in to resolve the problem. Wow, if that doesn't smack of concern, Kurt. I don't know what does. To me, that's probably the biggest story in the nation. Is Trump's team talking about it? Where's Giuliani to make the circuit and talk about this issue? 
I sure wish he'd jump on it because I think that's where you're going to find the pay dirt if you can stop them. But if they're allowed to go in and change this thing, Kurt, you may never find the evidence you're looking for. All they got to do is upload a good version of the software and go, golly. I don't know. Very scary, in my opinion, situation, but a very critical story as well. Any final well, comment on that one? it's a new server, too, Sam. Right. It's, I mean, so it's certainly not got the data and info from the election on it, if it's a new one. Yeah, and, I don't know if they uh, mean new right like before saying, the election or they mean new after the election. Oh, See, again, these are all questions that need to be brought out. That's the point. So I'm, I'm not saying it wasn't after. I don't know. I don't know what new means. Right? But these are the points in my mind that we need to dig into and find out. Is it really a new server after the election? And we don't have the election data on that server? Did we switch from a different server to this server with the data? If we did every bit of that points to scandal, Kurt, every bit of that points to fudging the numbers, manipulating the data, massaging the results in ways that make it harder and harder and harder to discover what really went down. Because in computers, it's very hard to get rid of digital trails. But it's not too hard if you wipe systems clean and transfer data over and, and do different things. You simply obliterate the ability to get to the bottom of the digital trail, if you will. So I don't know. Do you know if it was before, if it's after, or what? Well, this might this might have something to do with it. Um, there's a headline from uh, the Epic Times where it says, Powell, colon, Dominion server removed from Fulton County while lawyers sought restraining order. Uh, Ivan Pinchukov. Anyway, it's a big, long word. But he's the author. It's dated yesterday. Uh, says Attorney Sidney Powell said on Monday that er someone had removed a Dominion voting system server from a recount center in Fulton County, Georgia. Someone went down to the Fulton County Fulton Center where the votes and Dominion machines were, claimed there was a software glitch, and they had to replace the software, and it seems that they removed the server. She told Lou Dobbs tonight in an interview uh, aired last night. I guess I missed that. So Sorry let me stop that, you there. Sydney Powell's the only one, in my opinion, on this. That's news that I didn't have, Kurt. Good work. So this is what I'm talking about. It's like this points to fraud like no other. What do you mean there was a glitch in the system? We have to go down and somebody had authority to go in and just pick up equipment on the floor there before uh, the, the lawsuits are over? Okay, this is beyond witness tampering. This is tampering with the evidence here, Kurt, to the point where people should be going to jail right now. Who picked up that server and who had authority to go get it? This is Clinton-esque, well, and this is why I don't believe that Trump can win. The facts are with Trump, Kurt. But unless you have a little bit of integrity here, you'll never find vote fraud if they can just replace all the software. And then the courts will be like, we'll inspect the software. And then they look at it and they go, oh, the software's all good. I mean, if you can't have honesty and integrity in this and preserve evidence, how are you going to ever find the pay dirt, Kurt? Then they'll just say there's no evidence, and you'll say, yeah, there is. And then they'll say, well, no, look at the server. And you'll go, oh, I guess this one's fine. Well, sure, the new server is fine. Of course it is, Kurt. How dumb are we? This is the problem that we're facing. Somebody needs to arrest these people. Okay, who had authority to go get this server and do all this kind of stuff? This is what I mean. And if we can't call a halt to that kind of stuff, we'll never get to the bottom of this. So the recount, you know, it was paused on Sunday. 
And we're hearing about it on, what, Tuesday now, Kurt? 48 hours later, and now we're hearing Monday night? That somebody just came in and said, oh, there's a glitch. Let me have the server, please. Someone just handed over the server. Oh, no problem. There you go. Hey, let's get the election officials. Or I mean, I'm sorry. Let's get the Dominion officials to come on in here and go ahead and fix this thing for us. Kurt, you'll never get to the bottom of it if you let them do all that. Am I crazy or what do you think on this one? Well, I don't know what else to say, Sam. It seems right. like the it's Atlantic all said, gets ripped apart. You know, um, very good, Sam. Uh, yeah, this in this case, or you're talking about a uh, uh, the Atlantic as a, uh, a magazine, I guess it is. Uh, this, I think, uh, recently they they were talked about as a uh, big story where they had. Uh, uh, they said that the president was such an evil guy when it came to the military. Do you remember that story a little while back? Um, and uh, they they claimed that uh, he said these evil things about the military and stuff. And uh, uh, anyway, bottom line is uh, they found out later it was just a bunch of it was a hoax before the election. You know, just another. Th- thing part of the vote fraud that goes on i think well they love that because story, the front story kurt in my opinion gets all the coverage and then the back story when they release a retraction or some kind of a an apology or a correction or whatever word they want to use today for their missteps then you know maybe what five percent at best hear the retraction compared to the news they know that full well and they don't <laughs> mind taking a couple of missteps and step back and go "Ooh, took a hit for the team on that one you know or whatever they do it on purpose kurt I think so, at least. Uh, you so know, there you I mean, have it. I've That's Atlanta or the Atlantic story uh, one. Atlantic yeah. story two, uh, where they get ripped apart after publishing story on abortion with babies with Down syndrome. Interesting mm-hmm. story, Kurt. Well, yeah, and see, in this case, um, they're they're actually doing something that I think is a be a good important story now the reason we're getting it is uh, guys at the Western Journal um, you know brought it up I you know don't read the Atlantic um, you know and uh, really view it as a, pretty much a waste of time but you know like uh, one guy said occasionally you can find a good biscuit in a garbage can but it's not the place to look for it but in this case uh, they did publish something saying it was uh, you know uh, abortion was bad and so the Atlantic took some real heat you know well and I wish we had enough good news organizations to be able to stand up in their defense for once The spirit of the American West is alive and well in Range Magazine, the award-winning quarterly devoted to the issues that affect the American West, its people, lifestyles, lands, and wildlife. The Loving Liberty Radio Network is proud to support the publisher's efforts to provide an active forum for solutions that preserve the vanishing American cowboy, farmer, and sheep herder. Each issue contains informative articles on life in the American West, along with breathtaking imagery, as well as the culture of the cowboy spirit in our day. Each issue of Range Magazine also features great gift ideas, like the 2020 Real Buckaroo Calendar and the book Tales from Out There. Order online from rangemagazine.com. 
Just click on the shopping cart. The Loving Liberty Radio Network salutes the spirit of the American West and those who are keeping it alive at Range Magazine. for Moral Law is a nonprofit legal foundation committed to protecting our unalienable right to publicly acknowledge God. The Foundation for Moral Law exists to restore the knowledge of God in law and government and to acknowledge and defend the truth that man is endowed with rights not by our fellow man but by God. The foundation maintains a twofold focus. First, litigation within state and federal courts. Second, education conducting seminars to teach the necessity and importance of acknowledging God in law and government. How can you help? Please make a tax-deductible contribution, allowing foundation attorneys to continue the fight. You may also purchase various foundation products as well at morallaw.org. Located in Montgomery, Alabama, the Foundation for Moral Law is a nonprofit, tax-exempt 501c3 founded by Judge Roy Moore. Please partner with us to achieve this important mission, morallaw.org. Well, ladies and gentlemen, you know that music uh, means we're uh, coming back uh, from a uh, well, a short break. Uh, you know, it's interesting to me if you uh, you know do listen to the program, then you're and you might listen, you know, in another time to other programs. You'll find that these uh, breaks that we have, uh, you know, are pretty short compared to the uh, big boys. Uh, and the, of course, the number one reason for that is. Uh, you know, we, we try to give you as much information as possible during this program. Uh, the reason we have some breaks is, you know, for us to take a little bit of a breather, if you will, and, uh, you know, occasionally uh, um, something's necessary to be done during that time. Uh, but uh, you, you can't really catch much of a nap in two minutes, uh, as far as I can see. Uh, but uh, anyway, we do thank you for being alongside, and uh, you know we're going through some of the uh, stories that you know you might have missed uh, that uh, maybe didn't come up on uh, you know the standard media that uh, maybe you're given everywhere else. This one uh, headline reads: uh, "Food for Thought" from World Net Daily, and it says. Uh, Drinking hot cocoa could make you smarter, especially if it's enriched with this. And then subheadline says, Flavanols are a group of molecules which occur naturally in fruits and vegetables. Uh, Sam, I don't know, you want to comment? You can put your, uh, pretend like you're the uh, nutrition expert here. Yeah, I'm the, not the, the, the nutrition czar, Kurt's the nutrition czar, but I'd well, say I this, know, but I mean, Flavonoids. You, you probably, something. Flavonoids yeah, are good for you. What or flavanols are good yeah, for you? What I don't they're really closely related. What I really don't like about this, in my mind, this story is this. What was that word they used, Kurt? Let's see. Drinking hot cocoa could make could make you smarter, especially if it's enriched with this. Enriched. Okay. Yeah. That's kind of the issue yeah. that I'm not really, you know, liking too much. In other words, there's things that are good for you. Okay. But I'll give you an example. What they'll do is they'll take a bunch of nutrients out of something, and then they'll put nutrients back in something. So let's just take wheat, for example. 
You know, I don't know how you get flour, but usually flour is wheat or some derivative thereof. And then they wet. They make it white, and they do all this stuff to it, and they take out half the nutrients. They call it enriched. Well, hold on. The enriched comes after all this. Yeah. Right? They take out all the good stuff, and they destroy it pretty much. And then they go, oh, we have something of no nutritional value here. We better enrich it. And so I yeah. get what they're saying, and I get the, the value of the of the natural things they speak of, and I support that view. I guess I'm a little bit concerned with the enriched part of things, Kurt. Why don't we leave it the way God intended it and not destroy it and then not enrich it? So that would be my only kind of, um, I don't know what you want to say, comment or concern or uh, whatever. Your thoughts on that? Well, I think you're right on target, Sam. And, uh, you know, they do say in the article from World Net Daily, flavanols are a group of molecules which occur naturally in fruits and vegetables. So by their saying that simple thing is maybe it would be good for you to focus on eating fruits and vegetables, you know. But anyway, they go on, they say they're a member of the plant flavonoid family and are common in cocoa, grapes, come apples tea berries and even wine while previous studies reveal these molecules can improve brain health and the new report finds they also stimulate brain blood oxygenation levels the results show this actually helps people to think faster and perform cognitive challenges more efficiently Everybody's thinking, I need some of this so I can think faster. But anyway, it uh, says, uh, we used cocoa in our experiment. This is what the lead author, Dr. Catarina Rendero, says in this university release. They used cocoa in their experiment, but flavanols are extremely common in a wide range of fruits and fruit and vegetables. By better understanding the cognitive benefits of eating these foods groups, food groups, as well as the wider cardiovascular benefits, we can offer improved guidance to people about how to make the most of their dietary choices. So, Kurt, this is a little bit of a relative discussion. So I would agree with you that I'd recommend just fruits and vegetables, okay? Mm -hmm. So that would be, in my opinion, kind of the top-tier solution. Secondly, I'm not really for taking out all the nutrients in something and then enriching it with something. However, if you're going to compare coffee to hot cocoa, I would support the hot cocoa. And if you're going to compare hot cocoa without enriched or without any of these flavanols versus, you know, hot cocoa with the flavanols, I guess it's better with, Kurt. Well, and the other thing I would suggest to you anyway, uh, this is a uh, shameless plug here, Sam, but you could... um, Go to localhoneyman.com and uh, get some of what we call the marshmallow dream honey uh, that comes from a flower called meadow foam. And if you put that in your, you know, cocoa that doesn't have sugar in it or whatever else, you could literally sweeten it and give it that little marshmallow flavor and you could actually have healthy hot chocolate, see? Uh, where do people get uh, this stuff without sugar in it in the first place, Kurt? You know, That's how do you do point. this? You know, um, as far as I know, um, you know, they talk about these uh, dark chocolate things or whatever. And like a block of chocolate, you mean? That, yeah, I guess. Uh, so there's hold on. You want me to melt a block of dark chocolate on my stove? Well, Listen to me, man. here's I what you do. You, you just can buy this actually packet. get some you of it. You dump it in your water has, or your milk and you got yeah. Yeah. Cocoa, buddy, come on. 
Well, I know, but, uh, you know, remember the days of old when we'd get those ones from uh, that company called Sunrider, and we'd, uh, you know, get, uh, they were basically a chocolate um, drink uh, that was like in a little pouch thing. Do you remember that ice cream I used to make? Uh, so you put that in there, and then you sweeten it with, like in that case, we were doing it with stevanol, uh, stevia, stevia, excuse yeah. me. I did stevanol. You know, I was doing flavanol. And stevia. Yeah, like I did flavanoids. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. But, but anyway, it's good stuff, and I support the flavanol ideas that, hey, they're natural and, and valuable, yeah. and they're in fruits and vegetables, and, and those um, nutrients added to your diet does make you smarter. I agree with the general point for sure. Yeah. And I think, you know, we ought to create Kurt's Hot Chocolate or whatever where it's, people can actually do it. You know, right now, though, to tell me to get uh, some block of chocolate somewhere without sugar in it and go try to put it on my stove. You know, you're already in a losing battle. It ain't going to be done by 99% right. of the population. Yeah. They're just not going to do Good it. Point. Now, I know Kurt will, right? But the rest of us won't. And so if uh, you want chocolate, hot chocolate to be, you know, natural and, you know, full of dream marshmallow honey and stuff like that, then you're going to have to find a way to make that easy for me to do. Did I give you some of that marshmallow? Yeah, it's before? delicious. Okay. Yeah, the marshmallow honey is phenomenal. Yeah. All the different honeys are phenomenal, if you ask my opinion. What I like is the variety of honeys, you know, because some works better on toast and some works better in your hot chocolate. And sometimes you just put the different ones in there to obtain different flavors. And I, you know, I think it's tremendous. But I usually Lately, like to we do had it. kind of a go ahead. What I like to do in the morning is I like to get a, a slice of that thick Dave's Killer bread. <laughs> It's, it's super nutritious bread, by the way. And then yes, I toast that dude, and then it's I like put a meal like, in itself. Yeah, absolutely. And then I put real butter on it. I know that's like evil and everything, but I just put real butter yeah. on that sucker. And then I put uh, raw honey on there. I am telling you right oh. now, it blows away almost any dessert. Personally, that's it, in my opinion, yeah. that's how you do it. But um, the honeys are delicious, and they're available for all kinds of different things. And they, the honey has those flavonols in them too, right? Okay. Well, I think so, Sam. And, um, you know, the one other thing that is kind of fun to uh, think about is uh, it's actually something sweet that's good for you to eat, Sam. And, you know, even like fruits and vegetables, like this story he's talking about, you know, as you go more into those things, I mean, you know, you taste a good, uh, uh, you know, like a blackberry or by the way, we do have blackberry honey as well, but you know, uh, you know, it's where the bees were by the blackberries, you know, and and so then you get that taste. But you know, you get these amazing tastes that you don't have to have any of the guilt with it. Uh, I'll, I'll work on that uh, chocolate thing and try to figure that out. So that, but I do remember. Uh, and, and I'm I not down in it. I'm just saying you've got to make it you know. easier for people to do in our society. That's, that's right. just what it's going to take. That's right. That's right. You remember, though, making that ice cream back in those old days. Oh, yeah, it was delicious. It just takes a ton of work, and it's expensive. But other than that, it's phenomenal. I don't disagree with any of that stuff. Anything good for you costs a lot of money is the sad part, you know. What's interesting to me in America is all the fruits and vegetables are expensive, and all the garbage food, ding-dongs, are cheap. Okay? Yeah, that's right. In other countries, the garbage stuff is expensive, and the fruit and vegetables and the basic, you know, nutrient foods are inexpensive. How how come that is, Kurt? Um, I don't know that much about other countries and all that stuff. I guess number one reason would be they don't have all these uh, wonderful, uh, you know, convenience stores and that kind of stuff uh, available to them. I guess, I guess so, maybe, yeah. You know, all I know is um, my children, my boys and stuff like that that have gone to different countries and lived for a couple of years recently, 
um, you know, Peru and, and Chile and other places like that. That's the statements they've made. They're like, you know, and I don't know why the fruits and vegetables in America are comparatively expensive. And the garbage food's pretty cheap, you know, and good bread, good grains, good meat, really expensive, you know. Whereas in other countries, uh-huh. those base products are very inexpensive for the most part. And it's the yeah. garbage foods that are really expensive. And, yeah. um, you know, I find that an interesting, you know, thing, you know. You know. Yeah, but, um, that's a good, good Anyway, flavanols are valuable. There's no doubt about that, Kurt. And yeah. I, uh, you know, think uh, drinking the right things can make you smarter. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. I'm waiting for Kurt to make me a good um, barley drink that tastes good with honey in it that I could drink easily and right. stuff like that. You're kind of more the barley wizard, you know, than mm. I am. You know, you, know, you should be on barley, man. though, man. I know. I There's should. a special guidance in your religion that tells you to drink barley drinks. So, you know, mm-hmm. you got to work on that. All right. Who the heck is Scott Bio? B-A-I-O, well, do you remember? He's a, he's a, yeah, um, he's a, uh, like a Hollywood type guy, and which you know it doesn't usually. I don't know what that means. Is he know, an actor? Yeah, yeah, he's uh, been. You know, I think I'm trying to remember the first thing I remember him in. Uh, if I told you, I don't know the first thing. Just give were, me anything. Well, yeah, that's that's probably the only thing I remember, but. Uh, in his Wikipedia uh, thing, uh, you know, he's got one child, one stepchild, but uh, he was, they say he's known for his role as Chachi Arcola on the sitcom Happy Days, um, and it's spinoff so of So hold Joan on, do you know who that is, Kurt? Chachi. Um, also, Charles in Charge. No, I didn't. Uh, All right, so those, you, you remember uh, Happy Days, the old days, Kurt? Yeah, I do. All right, so there was the Fonz, right? Yes, I do. And he was like the main popular dude character, and all the girls liked him, and he was like the 50s kind of awesome guy or whatever. Well, Uh this Chachi guy was like his younger cousin that would be hanging around with him. All right. Okay. So that's who that guy is. Yeah, and so this guy has said he's kind of interested in maybe uh, moving to Utah, Sam. Oh, yeah? Um, Yeah, they say he... uh, may move to Utah and run against uh, Mitt Romney. So well, I can say this to, to, uh, to Scott. You know what? I'd rather have uh, what, Chachi or whatever that dude. I'd rather have that guy yeah. running for office than I would Romney. Yeah. So come on couldn't up, be, Scott. Couldn't be worse. The weather's know. cold, buddy. That's right. Wow. Good point. I think a lot of people want to run against Romney. I think people are just going, enough of this garbage, man. What is up with this? Yeah, that's right. You know, that's what I think is happening here. And even the Hollywood types are getting it. Holy moly. All right, hour one of the can, two coming up. Sam and Kurt, God save the Republic, please. Atop the Rocky Mountains, the crossroads of the West. West. You are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk radio Show. Talk Show. All right, happy to have you along, my fellow Americans. Sam Bushman and Kurt Crosby live on your radio. This is the broadcast for December the first in the year of our Lord, two thousand and twenty. This is our two of two. Our goal always to protect life, liberty, and property, and to promote God, family, and country in the traditions of our founding fathers. Patrick Simmons. 
RightToWork.org with us. Welcome back to Liberty Roundtable Live. Hope you had a delightful Thanksgiving, sir. Thank you, Sam. All right, there's so much to talk about. Now, you're an attorney, right? I'm not, no. You're not an attorney. Okay. So help me understand your take on this, on the election. Some say it's over, stick a fork in it. Some say Biden won. Say, some say, oh, no, not so fast. My problem with the whole debate is that the Electoral College hasn't even had their say. Uh, they have more sway than even the popular vote. The states haven't all certified. There's lawsuits in the mix. I don't see how anybody in their right mind is calling this election. You might have an opinion that somebody's won, or you might think that the popular votes are overwhelming. You might think all kind of things. But with so many reality checks in place, at least constitutionally speaking, from a law point of view, I don't see how the, the media and their good faith can even uh, make such speculations at this point. So you think that the media acts in good faith? I'm sorry. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I think you're, you're right. There's, there's a process um, that, you know, that the Constitution sets up, the Electoral College, and, uh, you know, the states send the electors to, to do the ultimate vote. And so, um, yeah, I think people are jumping the gun. I mean, there's clearly some level of, of fraud uh, that goes on in, in every major election. Um, hopefully, usually it's small enough that it doesn't make a difference in the outcome. Um, but there's a, a process in place, and there's lawsuits taking place. And, you know, I think that uh, we shouldn't jump to conclusions. We should let that uh, play out, and, and hopefully um, the ultimate result is is the the correct one. But, um, you know, the the you know, rush to uh, to declare, you know, this is what happened, and anyone who questions the, the, this outcome is, um, you know, uh, somehow off the, the their, you know, the reservation is uh, is, is wrong. It's, uh, and, it's and I'm not even picking sides. I'm just telling you that the constitutional reality of how our system works is not complete. Yeah. No, I, I, you're, I mean, you're absolutely correct. The, the Electoral College is, uh, hasn't met yet, hasn't, you know, that hasn't done the the ultimate, you know, uh, declaration of who is the president-elect. And the uh, popular votes haven't even all been certified either. Right, yeah. There's, um, you know, uh, there's certain states that are still working that system out. There's there's these lawsuits going on. Um, some of them may be successful. Others probably not. But, you know, this, it, it's, um, there's, there's a certain, you know, and I think the, the you know, the media at large, they, they want, they, you know, there's an outcome that most of the bigger outlets uh, want, and they decided if they just say it enough, they'll 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 get it. Uh, you know whether that's the correct outcome or not. Let me tell you what I want. I want transparency. I want the truth. I want honesty in the system, and let the chips fall where they may after those reality checks. Think of that view. Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, you know, it's. It, it should be a simple statement that everyone can get behind, but of course it isn't that, you know, every legal vote should count and every illegal vote shouldn't count. Um, but that, that somehow that's become almost controversial. I don't know why. Amen to that. Now, there's a reason that I'm asking you this. It's not really to pull you into all kinds of controversial stuff that, hey, you know, you don't want to speak on the record about or whatever else. And I, I understand that. But I'm asking you this for a reason, because when it comes to right to work, when it comes to the uh, Labor Relations Board, when it comes to uh, the president, quote, elect Joe Biden, even though he promised he wouldn't claim that until legitimate victory, until all the I's were dotted and T's were crossed. He promised he wouldn't do that in the debate. He's doing it anyway. But how does this affect as he starts to, quote, build out a cabinet, even though he hasn't won? He's just a candidate at this point. 
Um, how is this affecting the, the Labor Relations Board? How is this affecting some of the battles that you're fighting uh, to defend people and their right to work in given states? How is this affecting everything on the ground? That's the reason that I'm kind of backing into it this way is because I believe that changes are being made really without the legitimate authorization to do so, sir. Well, I would say, I mean, right now, um, you know, in terms of the where the National Right to Work Foundation operates in the federal courts, at the National Labor Relations Board, um, there haven't obviously been any formal changes because of the election. Um, certainly, we're very concerned who uh, a President Biden um, would end up picking. We've obviously, we've heard some names already for the National Labor Relations Board. We've heard some names for the Department of Labor, uh, Bernie Sanders being one of them. Um, and, you know, obviously that uh, it takes it in a, in a very radical uh, direction, one that is very hostile to any workers who are independent, who might not want to be part of a union. Um, so that that's a big concern. I think in terms of actually what's happening now on the ground, what we're seeing is uh, some of the union tactics is basically they've they've tried to slow down all the cases. Um, so we're, you know, we've got cases for uh, workers, uh, you know, who are challenging, um, let's say, uh, they want, they want to, you know, to be able to get the agreement that the union secretly signed with the, with the company about how they're going to help uh, force these workers into a union against their will. Um, the Trump NLRB um, has been prosecuting that case. It's been moving forward, and suddenly we're seeing delays um, you know, oh, we need an extension of time. And I think we're, we're seeing a lot of wait-out-the-clock type of legal tactics. Um, and, and I'm not saying that those are even, uh, like, that they're doing anything procedurally that's um, illegitimate. But it's it's definitely something we're seeing is that instead of, they're, they're, they're going to say, look, all we got to do is wait until the Biden appointees come in, um, and then we'll we'll have... Uh, you know, an umpire who's not calling balls and strikes, but who also is, you know, on our payroll. Uh, and then at that point, we can, uh, you know, we, the, the lawyers uh, for the unions are, are going to have a, a favorable outcome, probably not because of the merits of the case, uh, but because of who uh, is judging it. Let me and tell you that, why, that, why I bring this up on your news feed. There's a bunch of stories that says union officials back down, union officials back down. And at first glance, it looks great. Wow, that's awesome. But when you dig in, there might be another uh, strategy at work, right? Yeah, well, that's um, yeah, that's 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 that it's, it's a good thing that we're seeing. I mean, it's uh, it's not good, in, but yeah, the basically we're seeing this tactic, um, and and I was talking about at the NLRB where you're seeing the cases are slowing down, but also a lot of our cases in federal court to enforce Janus, um, and this has been written about by um, some attorneys uh, elsewhere that this is the the this is a tactic that goes on everywhere, but especially the unions um, are employing this in public sector unions. They've got all these restrictions on workers' Janus rights, where the, you know you have this First Amendment right to not pay union dues, to cut off your dues any time. The Supreme Court made it very clear: you cannot be, uh, you cannot pay dues unless you have affirmatively said yes. I understand I have a First Amendment right not to pay, but I want to pay anyway. Um, and yet what we're seeing all across the country for hundreds of thousands, probably millions of public employees, is they run into these policies that unions have created where they say, well, okay, you have a First Amendment right not to pay, but you can only exercise that right, let's 15 days a year or 10 days a year or 
15 days, once every three years. Um, these are all actual examples we've seen. And you file the lawsuit, and the union um, might back down, say, okay, well, we'll let you out, we'll settle it. Um, in some cases, that's meant 30,000 workers are free, and that's a great thing. But what they're strategically doing is avoiding precedence against them on this, which then makes it easier for the, uh, for these restrictions to basically hold. If you want to exercise your first amendment right now, you have to file a class action lawsuit. Um, now, you know, fortunately, the National Right to Work Foundation is, is there to help workers do that for free because they certainly couldn't do it um, if they had to pay out of pocket, you know, to, uh, to hire a lawyer to save, you know, maybe 700 or or $1,000 a year. Um, but you can see where that all adds up when you're talking about 30,000 workers. We're talking about, you know, hundreds of thousands, millions of dollars uh, that unions are taking in violation of workers' First Amendment rights. Um, and yet they, they're constantly doing this, you know, uh, sort of attack and then settle the case to avoid the precedent. And um, that's, it's, uh, it's one of the tactics we're seeing. I think it's going to accelerate with the fact that now, you know, with, without the uh, Trump administration or, or with the a new administration likely coming in, um, you've got, uh, you know, uh, probably more friendlier uh, judges. You've got the Department of Labor, the Department of Justice will will suddenly be fully in the tank for union officials, even though it means defending um, the, uh, the, the workers' rights being violated, violation of, of hundreds of thousands of workers, um, you know, just for, for unions, but uh, it's it's a very, um, you know, it's on one hand, it's of course always good to win a case, and when you get everything you ask for in a legal case, um, that generally ends it. Uh, you know, there's a, there's a legal doctrine that you have to be fighting over something real. You can't be just setting a precedent even though one side has already given in. Um, if Otherwise, the case becomes moot. But, you know, in terms of the, the bigger picture of the mass um, violation of workers' First Amendment rights, uh, this tactic of avoiding any precedential decisions um, is one we're, we're certainly seeing, and it's uh, long run making it more difficult to enforce the First Amendment. And these cases where they're, you know, feigning backing away so that the cases slow down in the courts, what they're hoping is that new blood comes into the NLRB, they're hoping that a rule change or two or three or a, another couple of you know twists and turns uh, via the government can give them the upper hand, then they'll press their advantage. Yeah, without a doubt. They've got all sorts of things they're looking forward to, to doing with the new NLRB because they're going to let them get away with a lot of uh, coercive tactics that this, uh, this NLRB has not been so, so quick to turn a blind eye to. All right, hang tight, ladies and gentlemen. You are listening to Liberty Roundtable Live. Hi, I'm Patty, wife of former Congressman Steve Stockman. In Congress, Steve sought impeachment of Eric Holder for his corruption of the Justice Department and his fast and furious gun running that caused border agent Brian Talley's death. Steve called for arrest of Lois Lerner for her contempt of Congress as it investigated her targeting of conservative nonprofit groups. After four years, four grand juries, and millions of tax dollars, Steve Stockman is in prison. His case involved four checks to nonprofits. DOJ has one standard for Hillary Clinton, but another for folks like President Trump and my husband. 
We've spent all our savings, all Steve's retirement, and much of mine. Steve Stockman has fought for you and America. Won't you join me now to fight for Steve? To help, text FIGHT to 444-999. Text F-I-G-H-T to 444-999 or go to DefendAPatriot.com. DefendAPatriot.com. Recent studies show that parents who smoke in the home are more likely to have children who smoke. Yes, in fact, my brother, he's 22 now, he told me and my father that's why he started smoking. One of the reasons why he started smoking is because my dad was around, you know, and he, he, my dad, they saw my dad smoking. My dad said, okay, I don't want you to smoke. I don't want you to you know, watch what I'm doing. Recent studies also show that in homes where parents don't smoke, their children usually don't smoke either. I am the way I am because my grandparents taught me what not to do. They gave me morals. They gave me belief. They gave me something to believe in. They just taught me well. I love them. <laughs> I do. Smoking. If you think you're old enough to start, you're smart enough to stop. A public service message from this station and the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Promoting God, family, and country. You are listening to Liberty Roundtable Radio. All right, Patrick Simmons with us, righttowork.org, doing a great job. So, hey, the battle's on for your right to work. How does the broader discussion of the economy play into this, looking in the future? No matter who wins, the economy, they say, is in trouble. Uh, I think it's um, you know coming back fairly well, but if we contemplate other lockdowns and everything else, who knows? How does that all relate to our right to work and, and, and what's happening behind the scenes there, Patrick? Well, um, I guess a, a couple aspects of that. I mean, one, certainly, uh, you know, right to work, obviously, the reason we support it, the, the first and, and most important reason is the individual liberty it gives and protects uh, for workers. It lets them choose. If they want to join a union, they can. If they don't want to, they, they can't be required to. If they want to fund a union, pay dues, they can. But if they don't want to, they can't be required to do that either. And it's a private organization. We believe everyone should have that choice. Um, but one of the things that we see time and time again, you look at right-to-work states versus non-right-to-work states, uh, the uh, job creation in uh, right-to-work states is double uh, the rate of, of non-right-to-work states. And it's consistent. You can look over decades. Um, it's, it's really, uh, a, you know, a, a wonderful uh, aspect of right-to-work is this proven uh, track record of job creation. And certainly right now, um, when, you know, you, you think about a lot of the things that government uh, does, state governments will do to try and create jobs, um, a lot of them, you know, end up uh, costing, it's a budget item, it's a budget fight, it's a dollar spent on this stimulus that can't be spent on something else. Um, you know, whether that's a long-term solution to actually job creation is, of course, a bigger question, but, but that's how a lot of uh, elected officials view it. And yet you've got right to work, which is this thing you can do. It doesn't cost taxpayer money. You're not pulling money from, um, you know, the, the schools the, or from health care or from whatever else um, state governments are doing. Um, and and you're, you're providing freedom for workers. At the same time, it has this, this uh, you know, job-creating uh, engine that, that right to work creates. And, and 
you know, uh, economists have studied this, but I mean, fundamentally, I think the, the answer to why that happens is that the incentives change for unions. Unions, uh, when, they're, when there's not a right-to-work law in place, their incentive is get in any means necessary to a workplace, because once you're in, you can force every single worker to pay you money, and they're basically trapped paying money if they want to keep their job. Um, without, with right-to-work, even if the union gets in, if a lot of those workers say, we never wanted you, why are you here? You're a third party in our workplace. We're going to cut off your dues. Um, it basically changes the incentives. So the unions are, are really in right to work states. They're there when work, uh, you know, a significant percentage of workers actually want them there. Versus they're just there because once they get in, they can collect the dues. Um, so anyway, what, what I hope to see, and what I think is is likely, is that we may even have some new right to work states um, this coming year. Of course, everyone, you know focused on the presidential election, but one of the things that's pretty clear is that uh, largely um, Republicans did very well in state houses across the country, and I think that opens the door to possibly new right-to-work laws, um, which would be uh, a huge deal. And, and like I said, it's, it's a way that you can create jobs, which of course with the pandemic changing so many things, um, harming you know, the economy and, and businesses. When we were looking for a way to get things going again, to create jobs, create opportunities, um, a right-to-work law could be a, a real, uh, you know, attractive tool that state legislatures might look at uh, when they're saying, how do we rebuild after all the, uh, the damage that the pandemic and the government response to it have uh, created? So that's one of the things I'm hopeful for is at the state level, obviously, uh, the federal government, the, the the likelihood of a national right to work law um, would seemly, you know, it doesn't seem particularly likely. Um, obviously, uh, President Biden would would veto that. We would certainly expect he said he supports a law that would wipe out every right to work law in the country. Um, but uh, in terms of at the state level, I think there's actually an opportunity to expand worker freedom. Um, maybe add a right to work law. Maybe add two. I, you know, it's it's hard to know. Um, we're still uh, we're still figuring out exactly where we are um, in every single state, but uh, it, it's it's a possibility, and uh, and that would be a great thing to to go and and add a a 28th right to work state and uh, maybe a 29th, and, and you know get get up to that critical mass uh, that's really going to be a, a tipping point where everyone says how how you know any state without a right to work law is getting left behind. And let's be very clear. The reason that Patrick says it could be, you know, an opportunity here, um, that all depends on you and me, ladies and gentlemen. There was a lot of Republican wins across the country, and that uh, in itself doesn't necessarily guarantee success. But what it does mean is there's usually a more friendly climate, a more friendly environment towards right to work, towards the ability to be free and to, uh, you know, freely make choices. And I bring that up because it's up to you and I ladies and gentlemen, in your given states. Are you going to make this an issue? Are you going to say, hey, now, Republican, that you've been elected, here's what we expect from you. We want you to double down and create transparency on this. We want you to back the government off on this. We want to bring agency and the right to work to the workplace here in our state. We know that it brings jobs to the table. And that, in my opinion, is the entry point here. When you bring this up, you say, look, this isn't a debate whether you like or dislike unions. This is a reality check. Everywhere in the country where there's studies done, where there's right-to-work states, there's greater opportunities for jobs. There's greater uh, employment. There's, and, and so right now, as we work on recovering the economies across the country, that, in my opinion, is the, is the salient point to focus on.
uh, for sure. But it's up to you and I, as the American people, to really determine that everywhere a, an elected official goes, that we politely bring this up and say, hey, this is something that we really believe could make a difference for the economy. This is something that will bring jobs uh, to our area, to our state. You know what? Small business flourishes. That's where 50-plus percent of the employment comes from. Uh, you know what? Small business has been struggling due to the pandemic, but there are opportunities here. Let's seize the day. In my opinion, that's the, the I don't want to say marketing, but that's the, the point that ought to be pushed uh, on this topic, Patrick. Yeah, no, I think that's absolutely right. And I think, you know, you look at the, the right-to-work laws um, that have passed recently, uh, you know, you, t- you talk about Indiana. Um, that had been a long-term project, a long push, uh, you know, led by the National Right-to-Work Committee um, and others to, to grow the support for, for right-to-work in Indiana. But then you look at some of the other states, um, Wisconsin and, and Michigan. These are places that were really hit hard by, you know, the last uh, recession. You know, 2009, these were places that were struggling. These were places that had a lot of manufacturing and were losing it quickly. Um, and and suddenly, obviously, some of the politics uh, were changing there. But also, you know, when they're looking for how do we respond to a changing economy, um, right to work was was a big tool, a big advantage, and one that once places like Indiana passed it, suddenly Michigan and Wisconsin and Kentucky were worried about getting left behind. Um, you know, you pull up the the uh, manufacturing uh, uh, job growth over the last decade. In right-to-work states, it's 10%. In forced union states, 2.9%. Um, so, you know, you, people talk about manufacturing leaving the country, um, and maybe that's uh, true uh, on net, but they're not leaving right-to-work states. They're actually coming to right-to-work states. Um, it's the forced unionism states that are really the ones hemorrhaging jobs, and so that's why we think, you know, this is a, a real opportunity um, for state legislatures, uh, you know, uh, that don't have right to work laws, to look around and say, "Hey, how do we compete um, in a in a you know in, in an era where the coronavirus is has just done all this damage, there's business shutdowns, and now maybe things are starting to open up? How do we how do we turn on the you know uh, the 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 accelerator on the job creation that we need to dig our way out of this um, economic uh, you know problem that we're in?" And I think the the you know one of the answers is is got to be right to work, and of course the benefit uh, the side the other benefit of that as we've discussed is all it is about worker freedom doesn't stop anyone from joining a union doesn't stop anyone from paying dues makes it voluntary. Nor do we intend is, them to to be forced to stop. We're not even trying to do that. Yeah, absolutely, and you know that's one of the you know you, you get into debates with with someone over right to work, and and ultimately you know the 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 thing that no one really can answer. They, they'll talk around it. You go to them and say, what, why can't every worker have that choice? Why, why should they be denied that choice? Why don't you trust workers to decide for themselves whether an individual worker thinks joining a union is in their interest or not? Um, and it's really that simple. It's, um, you know, there are countless lobbying organizations, uh, private associations, um, you know, churches, all sorts of private organizations that people join. They, they pay, you know, dues or they pay, you know, uh, tithing or however they pay, um, you know, they, and it's up to them. It's voluntary, and that's the way it should be in this country. And all um, it will do, it won't change the reality if there's unions in a given state. What it will do is it will let people decide if they want to be part of the union based on the merits. And what it will do is it will require the leadership to pay attention to the rank and file. And by agency, by choice, that's what we're after. 
Patrick, we know you got to fly. We appreciate you, sir. Godspeed. Thank you so much. And you know what? Keep an eye on the ball for us on this, man. This is critical coming up. It absolutely is. And, uh, yeah, happy happy holidays uh, and, and, and New Year since it might be uh, 2021 before we, we speak again. Thank you, sir. Pursuing Liberty, using the Constitution as our guide. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA Radio News with Lance Pride. Reports are coming in from the Middle East. An Iranian Revolutionary Guard commander was killed by a drone strike along the Syrian-Iraq border on Tuesday. Iran denies the event took place and will continue to look into this. The Supreme Court heard arguments Monday over President Trump's directive to exclude illegal immigrants in the country from the 2020 census count. The census determines the number of House seats each state gets and the allocation of funding to states. Georgia Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger said state officials are investigating third-party groups trying to register people in other states to vote in the Georgia Senate runoffs. These third-party groups have a responsibility to not encourage illegal voting. If they do so, they will be held responsible. The investigations are into at least four groups. Efforts come ahead of the January 5th Senate runoffs that will determine control of the U.S. Senate. We are USA Radio News. Balance of nature is fruits and vegetables in a capsule, changing the world one life at a time. The product that you have given me here is, as far as I'm concerned, sent to me from heaven. I love it a great deal. It's hard to find anything that's real nowadays. I enjoy it immensely. It's making my life so much better. I feel so much better. And during this pandemic, I have no worries whatsoever. My immune system has got to be at a top-notch level. I don't seem to get colds or anything. I don't know what getting sick is anymore. This is so cool. Experience the Balance of Nature difference for yourself. Right now, Balance of Nature is offering free shipping and 35% off on any new preferred order. Call 800-246-8751. That's 800-246-8751. Or by going to balanceofnature.com and make sure to receive this special radio offer by using discount code USA. Backing President Trump's claim of voter fraud, proof of the voter fraud has been delivered to the FBI. The FBI is using voter fraud information collected by the Amistad Project. The project's director, Philip Klein, said Monday on Newsmax TV. We've come up with hundreds of thousands of Republicans who say they never requested a ballot, but they voted absentee by somebody else. We've identified people outside of the state who voted within the state. And all of this occurred in the key swing states that we're speaking about. And there's also one other important important point to make about all of these areas had hundreds of millions of dollars poured into their election offices by Mark Zuckerberg matching the federal government expenditure and through his charities they paid the election judges they paid the people who boarded up the windows they bought the machines and America was kicked out of the counting room and a billionaire invited in in all of these swing state urban core cities Klein is the former attorney general of the state of Kansas USA Radio News politicians, bureaucrats, and educrats, and all do-getters to please obey the supreme law of the land, the Constitution. This is Liberty Roundtable. All right, back with you live, ladies and gentlemen. More and more evidence coming out about the fraudulent elections, ladies and gentlemen. I find that a good news piece. 
That's for sure. I guess a pastor in California, Kurt, has mm-hmm. now turned his church into a strip club. And it's temporarily done so that he can get around the COVID restrictions. And so here's what he calls it, a family-friendly strip club. And what he does is he gets up in front of the crowd before he's going to speak his sermon or whatever, preach his sermon. And he takes off his coat, Kurt, his suit coat. And so he's just in like a shirt or whatever. And he's just like, hey, I had to, you know, it's kind of hot in here. I got to strip so that we can go ahead and proceed with the work of the Lord. And, and so it's a family-friendly strip club. And, and now he can do whatever he wants to, Kurt, because he's, you know, in the right, quote, government-approved category now. Well, that's right. As far as I understand, this is happening in California. And, uh, you know, the governor says churches can't be uh, open, but uh, strip clubs, you know, that's uh, what you call uh, essential services, I guess, uh, Sam. And so uh, as far as I know that he went a little farther than that, even ripped off his tie. Uh, so as far as... You know, well, it's getting know, crazy you know, in there now. You could, yeah, yeah, that's... Uh, Anyway, the new ways of, uh, you know, having to survive in the uh, Chinese virus world we live in. But to me, it highlights, you know, the problems in our society. And I appreciate the uh, pastor there trying to basically say, look, just think how absurd this is or how, you know, whatever. He's really trying to make a point to get the people to understand what on earth is going on around here. But the pastor are doing a great job, in my opinion, to highlight kind of the problems or whatever. And, um, you know, it's not really intended to be a strip club at all, ladies and gentlemen. It's intended to highlight the problems we face as religious organizations. How do you get a situation where, you know, strip clubs, bars, whatever, they've got kind of an ability to to do things and, and churches don't? I would hope the Supreme Court would go further. And, uh, you know, help out a little bit more and uh, declare a stand for religious freedom. That's the the prayer that I would take away from this. Just my take. Any more on that one, Kurt? No, I think, uh, you know, we should have a lot more of that kind of strip club, Sam, um, I guess. Uh, if we're going to have strip clubs, that's amen. that's what it takes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, there you have it. All right, there's a Senate hearing on what is it, HCQ? Is that hydroxychloroquine or whatever? treatment nobody saw yeah yeah that's right um and uh you know i think this is the way most of these uh it's in the uh from world net daily it's in there on capitol hill section um and uh you know the headline i think it pretty much tells you the story the senate hearing on hcq or hydroxychloroquine treatment nobody saw uh exclusive colon joel s hirch Hirschhorn says dim lawmakers have no interest in saving American lives. Um, And this is kind of the point um, that I made the other day when there's all these different opportunities and treatments out there and all this kind of stuff. Why is Fauci still there and Scott Atlas gone? You know, I thought President Trump was going to get rid of Fauci. Um, But this kind of goes to what I'm saying is why aren't we discussing the real answers to the COVID problem? And this is one well, of them. That's a great point. And I guess uh, Senator Ron Johnson, a Republican of Wisconsin, uh, he's the chairman of the Committee on Homeland Security and Governmental Affairs. He had a big uh, fool committee hearing, uh, and uh, it was about early outpatient treatment, an essential part. Uh, 
they say, uh, in this uh, World Net Daily story of a COVID-19 solution. Um, in the article, it says the leftist press has totally ignored the hearing and the main messages delivered by senators and distinguished doctors who testified. Not extinguished doctors, but distinguished ones. Uh, it says, uh, well, I guess they're kind of extinguished here. Uh, but anyway, here are the most critically important things revealed at the hearing. First, there were three of the most acclaimed doctors who have been advocating early home treatment based on using low-cost, safe, generic drugs, principally hydroxychloroquine. The three were Peter McCullough, Harvey Reich, and George Fareed. Uh, they spoke authoritatively on the success of HCQ, or hydroxychloroquine, cocktails in keeping COVID patients out of hospital and saving lives. So that, that kind of makes you think it's one of those British stories where it says out of hospital. Uh, we would say out of the hospital, but anyway. And uh, it says they, like I, have done in a number of articles, cited specific studies and clinical positive results. Also emphasized by them and Senator Johnson is that the federal government has done nothing to promote early home treatment and even worse has done things to block what has been proven to work. I mean, imagine, Sam, if uh, instead of all those commercials you hear from the uh, federal government telling you, you know, you got to roll up your sleeves and take the shot or, uh, you know, get the flu shot or get, uh, you know, your mask on and stay all apart and all that stuff. Imagine if they, you know, suggested there was uh, ways of uh, doing this kind of stuff. But anyway, they say the reason for the malpractice by the government is that stubborn position uh, or is the stubborn position of power behind federal agencies. And this goes to your uh, Dr. Fauci thing. It says uh, that's the infamous Dr. Anthony Fauci, Fauci uh, who says he believes in science but refuses to accept the incredible amount of clinical findings proving the benefits of various home treatment protocols. Um, but anyway, I'm just looking through to make yeah, sure well, there's Joel, nothing Joel uh, Hirsch Horner, um, is that how you say it? I agree I with this so. point completely, except he says Dems in his headline. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, I don't really agree, agree that it's Dems. I mean, I think Democrats are largely responsible, but I think there's a lot of swamp monster Republicans involved, too. Mm -hmm. uh, in yeah. other words, Fauci's there, not Scott Atlas, or not many other, in my opinion, that people who agree with Scott Atlas. For example, this Texas doctor, who I have the tr most respect for of all, this guy. Um, what's his name? Uh, Bart Bartlett is his name. Yeah, yeah this Richard guy, Bartlett. in my opinion, Richard Bartlett is a hero. But again, he just gets mm -hmm. shut down. But look, it's Republicans that have Atlas there. I mean, Atlas gone, Bartlett shut down, and Fauci taking the you know quote center stage. It's Republicans that have that happening right now. I'd prefer to just call them the swamp monsters because, you well, know, I agree. this whole, if we could just eliminate, and I, I've been thinking about kind of the solution to this whole election thing, and I think, imagine if the president said, look, you know, we've been battling this whole Democrat-Republican thing forever, and uh, I found out that George Washington warned us of the spirit of party, and I'm, I'm suggesting we go ahead and eliminate parties, and then we uh, basically do a do-over of the uh, you know last election where we've got all this um, 
you know, messed up stuff going on. And we go back to uh, make America great again with a pencil and a piece of paper. And, uh, you know, we just kind of do a great reset on the American uh, situation here with the elections and the uh, uh, silly party stuff. And we just be Americans, you know. I'm not for a great reset, uh, but I get your point. Well, I know, but we could use that term you know, in this case. Yeah, and, and that's kind of my point is I don't want to point the finger at Dems or Republicans. I want to point my finger at the swamp and say, hey, the Senate hearing on HCQ treatment, nobody saw it. Hey, they don't want to save American lives. The swamp doesn't want to save American lives. They don't want to get us back on stable ground. They don't want to get us recovering and on, on track. Because then they can't have their way with us and make their agenda stick. And I think Joel's right on this whole point, Kurt. All right, who is this? He's representative-elect Kat Kamek? Yeah, it's a lady, uh, Sam. And um, there's, yeah, that's her name, uh, Kat. I think it's short for Katrina or Catherine. Um, but, um, yeah. Anyway, uh, it's a white woman, uh, you know, at least in the picture I saw of her. Um, she's not any, like, uh, you know, model or movie star or anything, but... Um, the headline from Breitbart says, Representative-elect Kat Kamak, C-A-M-M-A-C-K, colon, only in America could I go from homelessness to Congress. Um, and uh, I guess this is in Florida, Sam, uh, where I think they might even have some, you know, honest elections. Uh, but anyway, uh, she said that her election to the House of Representatives after a period of time in which she was homeless illustrates the American dream. Uh, she said, just nine years ago, I was homeless, and only in America can someone go from being homeless to the House of Representatives in less than nine years. Now, she's got a house. It's the House of Representatives, I guess. Uh, but anyway, uh, you know, kind of cool an story. Yeah. Well, while you got the homeless in Congress now, you've also got a newly elected GOP rep. Asked to carry gun on U.S. campus grounds. Right? Yeah, that's right. I guess the Capitol grounds is what it is. All right, hang tight. Let's talk about that in seconds. Can a nation conceived in liberty carry its head high if it denies protection to the youngest and most vulnerable of its citizens? Can a country founded on God-given rights continue to thrive without understanding that life is a precious gift from our Creator. As a physician, I have looked into the eyes of one-pound babies. I have cradled their small bodies in the palm of one hand. I defy those who are careless, who would disregard life and look at these tiny little miracles and say, we're not gonna protect that. But I believe there will come a time when we are all judged on whether or not we took a stand in defense of all life from the moment of conception until our last natural breath. One thing I promise you, I will always take a stand for life. As a parent, is receiving a faith-based, character-focused education for your children difficult to find? Do you believe that godly principles should be a central component in your child's education? Imagine a school where faith and integrity are at its center where heritage and responsibility instill character. For over 40 years, American Heritage School has been educating both hearts and minds, bringing out academic excellence. 
This is the school where character and embracing the providence of a living God are fundamental, where students' national test scores average near the 90th percentile. With American Heritage School's Advanced Distance Education Program, distance is no longer an issue. With an accredited LDS-oriented curriculum from kindergarten through 12th grade, your children can attend from anywhere in the world. American Heritage School will prepare your child for more than a job. It will prepare them for life. To learn more, visit American-Heritage.org. That's American-Heritage.org. With news the networks refuse to use. You are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk Show. I appreciate the newly elected GOP rep asking if she can carry a gun on the Capitol. But you know what, ladies and gentlemen? I want to know why she'd even have to ask. Isn't this the United States of America, for crying out loud? Where you have the right to keep and bear arms, and that right shall not be infringed? Uh, This is the lady from Colorado, uh, from what do they call it? Um, Shooter's Grill is what she owns, uh, where all of her staff members are armed and everything else. I think it's in Rifle, Colorado. Uh, anyway, That's so exactly interesting, right. but she's there and she's asking for permission, Kurt. Well, yeah, I guess she talked to the Capitol Police there about her. Uh, her name is Lauren Bobert, B-O-E-B-E-R-T. She's a newly, uh, you know, anointed one uh, from uh, Colorado there. Um, and uh, asked about the from the Capitol Police about her ability to have a gun on Capitol grounds for defense of herself and her fellow lawmakers. Um, she said, uh, gun owning Americans who heard your speech talking about, uh, Beto O'Rourke, uh, you know, this is when she opposed him back then, but I guess, uh, um, now, uh, she's, uh, checking on it for herself. Uh, she now wants her gun with her in DC. Um, I guess a 1967 law, according to Breitbart here says, Congressional members shall not be prohibited from maintaining firearms within the confines of his office or from transporting within Capitol grounds firearms unloaded and securely wrapped. Um, So that's 1967. I bet if they did it now, it would say his or her or her or his. Uh, Anyway, Uh, Representative Massey from uh, Kentucky. Oh, that's right. You just have to say it's uh, representative uh, uh, Massey from Kentucky spoke in support of congressional members carrying guns. Uh, this is in 20. Uh, I guess he recently he says uh, Thomas cited the 27, there, the 2017 uh, amen, attacked on a uh, congressional baseball practice and saying as soon as you leave the Capitol property, you are a target. I think you're a target on Capitol property, too. But anyway, but you know, that's just my opinion. So anyway. Well, there uh, you have it. Anyway, good Lauren for her. Bobert we pray she'll be successful. Yeah. Amen. Time will tell. Ohio mm-hmm. customer, Kurt. Yeah. This headline from Breitbart says, Ohio customer leaves $3,000 tip for a restaurant one day before closing down. Um yeah, this is a restaurant in Cleveland, Ohio, and um, it was a $7 tab. The customer ordered a pint of Stella Artois, I guess A-R-T-O-I-S, beer at uh, Nighttown in Cleveland, Ohio. 
and left this three thousand dollar tip. Maybe he had too many uh, drink and whatever. No, Kurt, uh, anyway, hold on. Uh, this guy was an awesome uh, person and had gone to this restaurant for years. And yeah. knew they were closing and felt like Christmas was coming up. And what a horrible scenario that was for everybody involved. And so this person intentionally left a tip and said, please distribute it among the staff. My years here have been wonderful, and I want to make sure you guys have a Christmas. From what I understand, that's the story, right? Well, I think so. The restaurant owner, Brendan Ring, gave, gave us a ring, you know, uh, told Breitbart News that the uh, customer handed him the signed check and told him to share the tip amongst the staff. Um, he said, uh, I looked down at the check, but I didn't have my glasses on, and it looked like 300 said ring, but when I put my glasses on, I realized the tip was for 3000 I ran out the door after him and said there's been some mistake. He said, no, I meant it. It was no mistake. I'll see you when you reopen. Um, and uh, anyway, the restaurant owner added that he split the tip. Uh, it says the top here, but I'm sure he meant the tip. Among the four wait staff that were working that day, each of them received 750 bucks. I walked back in and I had four servers working. Uh, I showed it to the first server and I have a reputation for being a bit of a jokester. So she thought I was kidding. But the next server I showed it too started crying and that's when the reality set in that it was a real tip we've all heard these types of good stories before but i think during the time of covid or in parentheses it says chinese coronavirus the whole world you won't see that on nbc or abc or cbs or anything the whole world was in the same boat looking for the same good news i've gotten calls from media companies all over the world i talked to the whole world today it's mind-boggling Mm, I don't know uh, if you heard about it anywhere else, but here, same. Uh, no, I mean, but I'm glad least. for any of those people. If there really yeah. is a, a group of media coming to his door and telling the tale, I think that's phenomenal. I hope they tell the whole yeah. story, though. Well, it's probably going around the world in places, but not here in America. Yeah, sad but true. Uh, now, the other thing I want to point said, out about this story, Kurt, yeah. in, in my uh -huh. opinion, this is an example where, you know what? No, no good deed will go unnoticed. You know what? Let's do good deeds like this for Christmas. Let's spend time. Let's give thanks. Let's spend time doing things that brighten up people's days, that give people hope, that give people encouragement, to let people know, you know what? Even with the COVID going on and they're trying to destroy our humanity, there's still good people everywhere doing good things. Okay, this guy just went to this place and made friends with the staff over years and just felt like, man, I got to do something for these guys. And see, in my opinion, Hey, that guy might not have changed the world by 3 o'clock, right? But he's a hero, man. Okay? We need more people like that. Just think what the world would be like if we had just people everywhere doing this kind of stuff. Anyway, it's tremendous. Yeah, I couldn't agree more, Sam. And uh, it's a great example. And, you know, I don't think the guy was just drunk and did this or whatever. He intentionally, you know, said, hey, I want to help these people. And the owner even went out afterwards and said, hey, was there a mistake? And he's like, oh, no, this is on purpose. You know, please let this take care of those who, you know, have been my friends over the years. And and I just Good think that's point. a great restaurant. And, I, you know, I don't know about the alcohol piece. I'm just staying out of that. But it's a great restaurant. Yeah. Yeah. You've got good people serving, doing a good job to where this patron or this guy that went to the restaurant, this customer is really happy over the years. And he's just like, hey, I want to intentionally give back and share mm -hmm. the love. And, the you know, and, and this is this is what America's made of, Kurt. This guy was asked, by the way, if uh, this was in response to the Ohio governor's uh, 
you know, shutting down basically a statewide curfew from 10 o'clock uh, at night. And this guy said, well, the virus doesn't come out at 10 p.m. The curfew is going to prove to be absolutely useless. My decision to close was made based on what's going on. I'm not a big government guy. I'd rather make my own decisions. I'd rather not be told what to do. Uh, he added his restaurant's been around for 30 or 55 years. He says we can afford to press pause for a minute. A restaurant owner said he hopes to reopen in January, but that'll be contingent on how the Cleveland area is doing with regards to the coronavirus. My hope is to open again sometime then, but when I open, I reopen, all depends on the virus, not the government. Well, my prayers are with him and his family, mm. and I get his point. I understand it. And the workers. All right, so Hayward says wildlife officials discovered a, um, what do they call this thing? Monolith in remote Utah, but then I guess it's now gone, right, Kurt? Yeah, well, that's right. Um, do you know what a monolith is? No. Nope. I mean, I was like, another word I got to look up. But, you know, when you look at the picture, it shows this kind of a, um, it's like you're looking out, um, you know, say you got some big rock thing in the country, you know, Sam, and you're you're walking around and you're, you know, there's rock walls or, or uh, big stones and stuff. And then it looks like somebody took a piece of, uh, you know, steel that's maybe, let's see, this thing is like uh, some helicopter pilot saw this and uh, the, with the Utah Department of Public Safety and they went down there and said it was a 10-foot vertical slab of steel. Uh, they said it was incongruously parked amid the huge red rocks that fill the area. So, you know, um, and yet now, um, doggone it, Sam, uh, uh, it's disappeared. Yeah, don't they worry. They found that, another one in Europe, though, Kurt. So. Oh, I didn't get that part. Yeah. You know, must have missed that story. But anyway. And the value uh, of this story is, Kurt? Well, it's just kind of like one of those old news of the weird, you know. I mean, who who put it there and who got it now? So I don't know. Right? Yeah, it'll be a big conspiracy, man. It'll be harder to find votes that are fraudulent than it will to find this sucker. I'll tell you that right now. Not because they're not there, but because we're not willing to discuss openly and honestly and look in the right places and such, right? Yeah, good point. So there you have it. All right, final story, Kurt. This is interesting. You don't need to obey well, an illegal order. I like that, don't you, Sam? Yes, sir. Um, you know. That's why I want to make sure um, to get it in this hour, because I want people to hear this. Yeah. Uh, the headline from uh, Breitbart is, uh, says, uh, you don't need to obey an illegal order. Uh, Tory MP, so this is uh, across the pond, Sam, um, but... Um, Basically, an MP stands for military police, uh, stands up to cops arresting elderly lockdown protester. This is a member of parliament uh, from the ruling conservative party, was seen shouting, you don't need to obey an illegal order. Uh, and this was, he was shouting at police as they arrested an elderly woman at a peaceful anti-lockdown protest in London. Uh, and uh, so, you know, it's... Uh, I guess following the arrest, the Tory MP took to the House of Commons to implore Prime Minister Boris Johnson to put an end to the unconstitutional and un-British restrictions on the right to protest. 
She was an old lady robbed of her dignity for having the courage to protest about having her fundamental rights and those of my constituents and others removed, Sir Charles said. Yeah, see, I don't like the word disgrace. protest used here, though. You know what? They, right. People have a right to peacefully assemble, Kurt. Yeah, and with this point. elderly lady or whatever, it was a peaceful assemblage. Yeah. Okay, because what makes a difference between a peaceful assembly and a protest? Mm, and, and I don't mean to play games with so. words, but I'm trying to highlight something important. One is saying we believe we've been wronged and we have a, a redress of grievance solution in our peaceful assembly. We want to get together. We want to discuss it. We want to find solutions and what we can do. We hope that those who we elect who should serve us will appear and listen to us for once. <laughs> okay, that's completely different than a protest. Um, what I mean is one blurs into the other. Uh, if you're not very careful, then pretty soon what's the difference between a, a protest and a peaceful riot? Or a riot, you know, and so what I'm saying is that by the words we use, we ratchet up and change the intent, in my mind, of the founders. Now, I know this is in Britain, so it doesn't exactly apply, except for an understanding, right? When does a peaceful assembly become a protest? When does a protest become, well, a violent protest or a peaceful riot? Or what, and, and what you do is you blur the line of our intentions. Okay, and the, the reason that I bring this up is because we had peaceful assemblies outside of Governor Herbert's house over these mask mandates. And now the governor literally is trying to put laws in place and stuff like that that forces people to be back a certain distance and stuff like that. Pretty soon you're going to ratchet up the crowd to be angry. And then the peaceful protest or, or the peaceful assembly becomes a peaceful protest and then pretty soon someone decides to protest a little louder and if you're not careful you change the dynamics of what our founders intended you got to be very careful to prevent that we also got to be very careful to not let bureaucrats in high places change the game and deny us our ability to freely peacefully assemble as well anyway just my take on the story but i, I like that uh, headline in that article there good stuff All right hour two in the can ladies and gentlemen We'll be back tomorrow with hard-hitting news. The networks refuse to use our prayers are with the president. That is Donald Trump, by the way. And our prayers are with honesty and the truth. Transparency and accountability, we pray will, well, honesty is the issue. We pray that we're successful in honest elections.